You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. Hey there, and welcome to this week's edition of the podcast. This week, we're going to look at the employment rights you have as an IR35 contractor. And I'm specifically looking at this because it has become a major bone of contention. And whole swathes of people who once believed they were independent freelancers and contractors are now finding themselves defined as workers for the purposes of HMRC being able to collect tax and national insurance from them as if they were employees. Now, I want to start with a favourite line from one of my favourite songs. And the line is, can it be that it was all so simple then? Or has time rewritten every line? And I say that because that's how it feels when I think about the complexity that has become IR35. And you'll have to excuse me because I've got a bit of a throat infection. So you'll hear that coming through the podcast. So let me apologise now. And that line Can it be that it was all so simple then, or has time rewritten every line? Comes from a song called The Way We Were, and it sums up those complexities for me. Things used to be so simple. You ran a private business and would bid for contract work from that public body. And if you were hired, you went into the public body, you did your contracted work and every week or month or whatever payment period was agreed, the public body would pay you your contract fee for work completed. And then you then paid HMRC its tax and national insurance as a percentage of your profits. And that percentage rate was usually set at 20%. For decades, This is the way it was until the 6th of April 2017, when a massive change took place that removed the right of people contracting their services via their own limited companies or to use their HMRC term, personal service companies, who were contracting to the public sector. And the change was that those people contracting in that way were no longer automatically treated as contractors. HMRC believes that people contracting via their personal services companies are trying to evade tax because such people are all but employees by another name and as far as HMRC are concerned, should be treated as such for tax purposes because the way HMRC sees things is that were it not for your personal services company, the only way you could work for that local authority or that public sector organisation is if you were an employee. And therefore, to all intents and purposes, 
personal services company or not, you should be treated as an employee for tax and national insurance purposes to put you on par with other employees. So that's the thinking behind IR35. Now, these changes now commonly referred to as IR35, which is a reference to the HMRC rules for off-payroll working, now means that everyone who contracts their services to a public sector organisation, but who is not part of that public sector's payroll, has to now be assessed for tax purposes as if they were an employee. That assessment is done by the public sector body or an alternative body licensed to act on behalf of HMRC to collect tax and national insurance from private contractors. That assessment is now done by those bodies. But the important thing to note here is that not everyone can make that tax determinant. Only authorised companies and bodies can do this on behalf of HMRC. Again, lots of people have been caught out by this because they've been happily living with their accountant or with an agency and have had a great relationship with that agency. And all of a sudden, They begin contracting for a public sector organisation and they find that their agency or their accountant are not registered with HMRC to be able to collect those taxes. And the HMRC thinking behind this is, you know, I'm going to be blunt. They want to be sure that the company you are registered with, who does your accounts or collects your, your fees is not going to encourage you to bypass IR35 rules. So only certain companies are licensed to provide this service of collecting taxes for HMRC. So you'll find that once you start contracting for the public sector, your contract will be assessed to see whether or not you should be treated as if you were an employee. And if you are, then tax and national insurance will be collected from your fee at the same rate as that paid by employees and workers. Now, this is law. The public body has a legal duty to assess whether the way in which you provide your contracted services either falls or does not fall within IR35. And if it does... This information is then communicated to your chosen intermediary body, that's your accountant or your agency or your umbrella company, who then have a duty to deduct the tax and national insurance payments from your contract fee at standard rates before depositing the remaining balance into your bank account. And those rates currently stand at 20% if you earn between £12,501 and £50,000. And then that moves up to 40% if you earn between £50,001 up to £150,000. And then 45% if you earn over £150,001 per year. In addition to this, you pay national insurance contributions at 12% of your contract fee 
if you earn between £166 and one pence and £962 per week, and then you pay an additional 2% of your earnings for anything you earn above £962 per week. And so let's say, for example, you earn over £962 per week. Your deductions can be as much as 41.5% per week deducted from your income. And your intermediary body will collect this money because if they don't and HMRC find out and decide that you as the contractor should have been liable for that tax and national insurance payment, you, the public body or the intermediary body that you're using could become liable for that payment, inclusive of backdated payments and a HMRC fine for misdirection of statutory duties. It's as serious as that when these changes to tax collections are projected to bring in an additional £3.1 billion into the Treasury by 2024. £3.1 billion is an indication that IR35 is here to stay. Now, once you become an IR35 contractor, overnight your status changes from private business contractor someone who is self-employed, to worker. You're not even treated as an employee, despite paying the same tax and national insurance as an employee. Remember, we looked at employee and workers' rights in episodes four and five of the podcast. And in those podcasts, I said that all employees are workers But not all workers are employees. And this is exactly the case for IR35 workers. Because IR35 self-employed contractors and freelancers are treated as workers for the purposes of IR35, which is the means by which HMRC collect tax and national insurance from you. But you are not treated as workers for the purposes of employment rights. And this has created a real bone of contention for IR35 workers who complain that in their role as freelancers and contractors, they're expected to pay the same tax and national insurance payments as employees, whilst only getting a fraction of the entitlement to employment rights. And it is a fraction of the employment rights because as an IR35 worker, your employment rights are the right to be paid at least at national minimum wage levels for your work, the right to protection against unlawful deductions from your contract payments and the right to statutory minimum employment rights. But this particular right is easier said than done to assess because each assessment of determining your employment rights will be done on a case by case basis because each IR35 contractual arrangement is set up differently for each contractor. So no two contracts are likely to be the same. The rights you might get in one organisation 
can't be transferable to the rights you should expect to get if you take a contract somewhere else. All rights are different and they're dependent on what the hirer, this is the public sector organisation, they're dependent on what the hirer wants to give you. And for example, holiday pay is a prime example. Some public sector organisations might pay you holiday pay and treat you the same as their employees. But the majority won't and the law says they don't have to. So what tends to happen is that the private contractor will ask their intermediary body, that's their agency or their accountant, to deduct money from their weekly contract fee and to then hold on to that money so that they can pay themselves holiday pay when they want to take holiday. Because if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have any money on the weeks they're taking off as holiday and not working on their contracts. Because under IR35 rules, contractors are not automatically entitled to paid holidays. But remember, as contractors... You'll pay the same tax and national insurance rates as employees and workers who are entitled to paid holidays. The complexities of IR35 and how it affects your employment rights are as serious as that. And remember, you could be paying as much as 41.5% of your weekly contract fee in tax and national insurance if you earn £1 over £50,000 a year. But your business hasn't changed. You still have the same business overheads as you had on April the 5th, 2017. But when you woke up on April the 6th, 2017, you had to manage a drop in your income of as much as 41.5%. No questions asked, no right to challenge, and no full employment rights. And this is what continues to make most private contractors really angry. Now, how do you know if you're an IR35 worker? Well, there are three key determining factors which all have to be considered at the time of entering into a contract with the hirer. These are, firstly, the degree to which the hirer has supervision, direction and control over what, how, when and where you complete your contract and your day-to-day work. Secondly, the degree to which you are allowed to substitute someone in your place to carry out your work or whether you are required to carry out the work yourself. And thirdly, mutuality of obligation, which asks whether the hirer is obliged to offer you work and whether you are obliged to accept it. If these three factors are in the positive So, for example, the hirer has all the supervision, direction and control of what, how, when and where you complete your contract and everything you do in your day to day work and that you're not allowed to send someone else to do that work for you and that the hirer 
is obliged to give you work and you have to accept the work that you are given, then under IR35 rules, you would be an employee were it not for the fact that you are working through your own private company and therefore you are required to follow off payroll regulations, which means collection of tax and national insurance at standard rates. To be outside of IR35 rules, therefore, you'll need to demonstrate that these three determinants, remember them? Supervision, direction and control, substitution and mutuality of obligation, that these three determinants don't apply to your contract or to your working practices. And this is easier said than done. But HMRC have not had things all their own way. HMRC has come unstuck in a number of high-profile cases. And where they've come unstuck is on the question of mutuality of obligation. That is the point about whether the hirer is obliged to give you work and whether you are obliged to accept it. And there's been a string of cases at employment tribunals where contractors have won cases against HMRC who tried to treat them as IR35 workers in a bid to claim back taxes. If you're interested in reading about these cases, I've put a link to three interesting cases which contractors have won against HMRC for huge sums of back taxes. I think in one case, the taxes that HMRC were looking for were £240,000. All the cases have been won on the issue of mutuality of obligation. And if you're interested in reading a summary of those cases, you'll find a link to the cases in the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. Now, up until the 5th of April 2020, IR35 rules only applied to contractors providing services via their own personal services companies, which are private limited companies, providing their services to public sector organisations. But from the 6th of April 2020, IR35 rules will now apply to both medium and large size businesses and organisations outside the public sector who will be responsible for deciding the employment status of their contractors for tax and national insurance purposes. Currently, contractors in the private sector are responsible for making these decisions themselves. But you'll go to bed on the 5th of April 2020 paying your own tax and national insurance directly to HMRC. But on the 6th of April 2020, when you wake up, you will now be caught under IR35 regulations which means that if you continue to trade with the public sector or any other company or organisation for that matter, it will be for the hirer to decide your employment status. So your hirer will now have to give you what will be called a status determination statement, which will set out your employment status and the reasons for that employment status. And the hirer may even ask you for information 
to help them to determine this status. So before April the 6th, you'd go along to your agency. They tell you what contracts are available and the hourly rate or the weekly rate. You might pop along, have a bit of an interview and the hirer will decide, yes, you fit the bill for the contractor that we're looking for. You go, you provide your work, they pay you and you toddle off. From April the 6th, 2020, it's not going to work that way. Before you can step foot into the company, your status must be determined. And if that status determines that were it not for your private limited company, meaning if that company were not there, you would be treated as an employee, then you're going to become liable for standard rates of tax. If, however, the hirer determines that you're self-employed for tax purposes, then you'll remain responsible for meeting your own tax and national insurance obligations. But don't think that that decision to leave you as self-employed will save you if later on it's determined that you should have been making off-payroll payments. Because if this happens, you're likely to be responsible for the back pay of tax and national insurance payments. And HMRC will pursue you with the full might and weight of their organisation. So the next question you ask then is, how do you know if you're a medium or large size business? And HMRC gives a determination on that as well. And HMRC says that you will be counted as a medium or large size business if you meet two or more of the following criteria. So firstly, you have to have a turnover of more than £10.2 million a year or you have to have a balance sheet total of more than £5.1 million a year or you have to have more than 50 employees. So you can see that this criteria clearly brings in all public sector organisations and quite a few medium and larger private sector organisations. So if you're affected by this and you haven't yet been approached, don't wait. Approach your accountant and find out whether your status is likely to be affected come April the 6th. Because if you don't, and you continue to work in the same way without having your status determined, HMRC are likely to check your status when you next submit your tax returns. And they're likely to pursue you for the back taxes. Now, this podcast is about your employment rights, but I've decided to do this episode on IR35 workers because, well, there are very few employment rights attached to your status as an IR35 worker. You will go and work for a public sector organisation or even a private or voluntary sector organisation because we do have some medium and large size organisations in that sector too. But you will go and work for those organisations 
and you'll be sitting next to a colleague and the two of you will be paying exactly the same tax and national insurance rates, but your colleague will have more employment rights than you. I'm really sorry to be so glum, but it's important stuff you need to get your head around if you're affected. And the final thing that I want to say is that if you're interested, I have put a link to three cases in the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. I hope you've got something out of this edition and I hope it doesn't leave you feeling too down. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye for now.